Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, I'm Kirk. I'm not Jim, if you're wondering. And uh, so I, this is, I think I've gotten to do this like maybe two or, or three times before. Well, this is the first time with people here. So <laughs> I'm pretty excited about that. Also a little nervous and uh, also the first time with Jim here. So and the first time I actually hit record. So we'll, we'll see if it actually does. I'm going to do my best to keep it clean. We're going to avoid profanity. We're going to avoid heresy. And if I don't do that, we'll just not push this on the Internet, right? Sure. Right. Sure. Let's, let's pray for all of those. God, uh, you, are, you are so good. Thank you for being here with us now. I uh, pray that my words would be yours, that the Holy Spirit, you would come, uh, you would stir our hearts, uh, that you would draw us closer to you, teach us about you. Um, and help us to, I don't know, speak to us through through your scripture and my words. So I uh, would give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So you heard the scripture. It's pretty cool. Um, we're going to talk a lot about like being prepared and getting ready for a huge, huge like life change thing to change. So I'm trying to think of like a good life change type story. Like uh, maybe, maybe like you remember the day before you graduated high school or college. You're anticipating like you, you, everything. everything's about to change. Uh, or for those of you that are married, like the, remember that kind of couple weeks leading up to, to the wedding, just knowing like, I know everything's about to be different, um, but I, I don't know exactly what that's going to be like. Uh, but just a real quick story. Uh, Sarah and I tried for a long time uh, to get pregnant, to, to have a baby, and it just it wasn't happening. So uh, we, we went the adoption route, and uh, that was a long, hard process, too. Uh, but finally, it, it kind of happened, and, and we Andrew was, was our kid. So uh, leading up to that, we, we got a room ready, we read books, and we just knew that, like, we're about to fly to China. Uh, adopt this kid that doesn't speak our language. Like, we have no idea what any of this is going to be like. Like, it's one thing for a, like, I don't know, just a, a normal pregnancy. That's like world explosion. But, like, the, the whole flight thing, adoption thing, he's already, like, two. So, like, we just, we, we didn't know what to expect. We were so nervous. I, I remember uh, the night before we flew out, we were, we were in Pittsburgh. I think we left at, like, 5 in the morning or something crazy like that. Maybe earlier. Um, we, had, we had to catch the shuttle. I, I don't think I slept for like like a week before that. And just realizing like, we're about to get on the plane. And then like, our, the world, like everything we know as is, is about to change. We're like, we, we can't just go out. We, we can't like go separate places at the same time. Like, we got we to gotta figure out how to like change a diaper. We like to be responsible for another human being. I'm about to get a new name. Like, I'm going to be Baba. I'm going to be Dad. Like... Like, it's just world-changing, world-shattering event, right? You guys nod with me? Yes? Like, that's that's a big change. What we're talking about now is an even bigger, life-changing, world-changing event. And we got this guy named John the Baptist who's he's basically shouting it from the mountaintops, like, hey, get ready, everything. Everything's about to change. Um, and that's what we're going to look at today. Um, so uh, let's, let's jump in. We're, we're going to kind of work through the Scripture because... That's all I know to do. So if you got your Bibles, we'll kind of uh, flow through it. Um, so we're going to start here in Matthew 3. Um, I learned this. So it's cool doing liturgy. This was not a passage I would have chosen or even an Advent thing because Jesus is already born in, in this passage, which is kind of funny. Uh, but it's still, it's, a, it's kind of the springboard into his actual ministry here. So um, let's, yeah, let's just jump in. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. So uh, 
in those days, you know, in the movies when they have like the like two days later or the next year, like that. That's kind of this Bible's way of saying like we've got a big time jump here. So we've gone from beginning of Matthew using our telescope back there, people, um, where he was uh, like being born and all that stuff, and now it's like. Okay, now his like ministry is about to start. In those days, 30 years later, John the Baptist uh, came preaching in the wilderness. Uh, John, uh, if you can get a little more backstory on a couple of the other Gospels, I think, what is it, Luke? Yeah, it's Luke. Uh, Luke 1, where like his parents had some trouble being pregnant, and they're like uh, related to Jesus' mom. And it was this really, really cool story. You should check it out. You might hear it uh, later. I don't know if it's one of our heaven. I don't know. I, I didn't ask. I should have. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter. Uh, but you can get a little more backstory on John there. But here we learn that uh, Matthew refers to him as John the Baptist. That is kind of a title that he would become known as, uh, as John, one who baptizes or John the baptizer. He's not a Baptist, like, like sorry, North and all these other ones. Like, you can't claim him. We, he's ours. He's all of ours. Um, so he is one who baptizes. He wasn't the founder of the Baptist church. Um, and he came... Preaching in the wilderness of Judea. So I got two weird facts as we go through this. Weird fact number one, preaching in the wilderness. Now, you are, imagine you are John the Baptist. You are the chosen one to herald this huge world-changing event of Jesus on earth about ready to like come and preach and, and do miracles and like like die for our sins. Big time stuff, world-changing stuff. Uh, it seems really odd that he would go to the wilderness of Judea. Like, that's a really, really important message. Wouldn't you think it would make sense to go to Jerusalem? Like, they're a couple miles away from where they are is a perfectly good temple with loads and loads of people who are already interested in this stuff and are looking forward. Like, they need to hear this message. It, it just seems strange and odd that he would go out into the wilderness. I'm sure there's some, some really cool, like, theologians have got some deep, deep meanings there. Maybe it has something to do with, like, uh, the Israelites wandering in the wilderness. Maybe it's just fulfilling this prophecy that we're going to talk about. But either way, it's it's strange, right, that, like, he would have this huge, huge, important message, but he would go out into the wilderness. It wasn't what people expected. Um, but it also, like, he's the herald for Jesus, who definitely was not what people expected. So why would the messenger be any different uh, than the, the king or the one he's given a message for? So strange. He's in the, in the wilderness. And uh, here we go. His message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You ever heard that word, repent? Like, that, that's a big Bible word. It happens a lot in the Bible. And in fact, like, it's, it's not a new thing here in the New Testament. Like, every prophet, like, repent, 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 repent. Um, basically, they're saying, like, hey, you messed up. Like, God gave us a direction, a path. You've gone off of it. Come back. Like, re- repent. Um, when I, one of the things, like, when I was in high school, I think my Young Life leader gave us the example of, like, re- repentance means, like, it, it, it's like this whole like change it's it's not just like changing your mind your way of thinking like i think this is one way so now i'm going to think another way that's part of it but it's also this like life change this like i'm the way i act the way i behave the way i'm i'm living and speaking and and existing in the world is about to change it's like a pivot in basketball you know and you like you get the ball and you like you spin around like you keep one foot and, and, and you move, like you change directions. I'm going to start a fire, aren't I? Uh, it, it's this huge, like, you're going one way, and now you're shifting to another way. It's it's your head, it's your heart, it's your it's your life. So it's a huge, huge loaded word. Repent. Um, not a new word, uh, but here's John saying it in a new context. Repent. Why? 
because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Guys, we've been waiting forever. Like John 3, we've waited a really, really long time for this moment. So you got to turn. You got to come back because it's a, it's a, it's here. It's about to happen. He is coming. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's, it's like right now. So it's like, like in theory, like we, we knew Andrew was coming so he could like, uh, maybe start getting a room together. But like those days before, like that's panic time, right? Like that's when you're really, really getting ready because it's, it's coming no matter what. And that's what he's saying. You, you gotta come back because it's, it's right now, people. The world, everything we've known, everything we've waited for, the Messiah is, is coming. You gotta get ready. So that, that's his big message. Um, and I wonder if it was like, you get, like the tone, like, is he saying, is it like a scary, like, you gotta repent for the kingdom of heaven is, is near, he's coming, he's right now. Or is it like a joyful, like, repent cause he's coming, the kingdom of heaven is here. Maybe it was both, I don't know. Um, alright. Verse three. For this is he who is spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make make his path straight. So he's saying, Matthew's telling us that, that John, he is the one. There's like, ooh, I, I looked it up. I think it was like 108 prophecies about what the Messiah was going to be like and what all was going to happen when he came. And this was one of them, that there was going to be a dude in the woods saying this message. And and now he's here. And Matthew's letting us, like, this, this is the guy. He is the one in the wilderness crying, make paths straight for the, uh, prepare the way of the Lord and make his path straight. Now, uh, so this was in Isaiah. Uh, you can look it up. Um, I wrote it down. I don't know. You can look in your little thing there. It was like Isaiah 40. I don't know. It's somewhere in there. Uh, but if you were to look it up, I did, I promise. Um, he goes into a little more detail about what it means to make paths straight. Uh, and it, it talks about like, uh, like you got to chop off the mountaintops. And you're going to fill in the valleys. Like that's what it means when it makes a, a path straight. Um, and this was actually a custom in the day when in the king or somebody important was coming to your, your village, your city or whatever, they would do this. They would actually like make their physical paths really, really straight. They would fill in valleys. They would make their roads better. Uh, when, when we were in China, we were in this place called Guangzhou. Um, and a, a taxi driver was telling us the story. Like, I think I made a comment about this weird highway. Um, and he said, at some point, the, the queen visited Guangzhou. Um, so they wanted to make a path. <laughs> they needed a new road for her, and they couldn't just level, like, everything. So they just built up. There's, like, this highway. It's on the third story. So you're driving around, like, looking in, in people's windows that are, like, first right there. And it's also, like, three or four stories up. It's pretty cool. So they, they made this path. Somebody really, really important was coming. Okay. Now, uh, I'm, I'm going to quiz people here. we got to look at the Bible through... Um, in, in context of the rest of the scripture, right? So when we hear what we've just heard, repent for the kingdom is here, make paths straight. There can be a temptation to say, holy cow, I got to get my life right. I got to quit sinning. I got to start going to church. I got to start helping old ladies. I get to get more, like whatever your thing is, that's where we tend to go, right? Uh, what, what are our scopes, people? We need Bubba. Telescope, microscope, stethoscope. You failed. You've all failed me. Um, <laughs> I love you. I'm just kidding. Um, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, so we have to look in Bible in, in the context, and that's uh, when, what we've been doing in our study. Like, the, you, when you read it, you need to look it through a telescope, like big, broad picture in context. Microscope, what are the fine details? Look at it from all the different vantage points. Ask as many questions as you can. And then stethoscope, finally, after you've done all that, like, do I fit in the story? Is this telling me something? So if you look at this through the, the like microscope, you can get caught up in the context of like, uh, make path straight, um, repent. It, it's on me. What, what can I do to, to get ready? 
But we know if we read the whole Bible, it's, it's not about us and it's not about what we do. It's about him. In fact, a little later, he's going to rail the Pharisees uh, for doing kind of that, like trying to fix themselves up and, and work really, really hard to make themselves right with God. That, that is not it. God doesn't love some future version of you that is much better. He loves you right now. He died for you right now. He came for you as is. Loves us too much to keep us as is. There is change and there's growth, but it's about him and his love for us and our repentance, our turning back to that promise, that love, that surrender to who he is. Not about like our, I got to fix myself. I got to make myself better. Um, okay, uh, where are we at? Verse four. Change the we go. Um, now, John wore a garment of camel's hair and leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Uh, so this is weird, right? <laughs> this isn't uh, what people in the day wore. Um, this isn't like typical food that, that people ate. Like this is kind of in here because it's unique and strange. Um, but uh, this was very Elijah-like. There's kind of like some First King stuff, so it's maybe something to do with there. Um, I was reading this. Um, and so I work for a group called Young Life. Uh, we are a Christian outreach to adolescents. And our whole thing is we, we're not about like our, our place and our, our stuff. We're about going where kids are, loving them right where they are, um, and getting into their world um, and loving them just like that. Not about like having them come to us and, and preach about we're, we're about going. Um, and a lot of that is like being incarnational. It's just living our lives with them. Um, and then actually telling them about Jesus. So it's like incarnational and proclamational. At first, I thought John uh, was a bad young life leader because he didn't, he went out to the wilderness. He didn't go where the people were. But then I thought even deeper, and he's an awesome young life leader. Here's why. He went where the unchurched people were. He didn't go to the temple, to the religious people. He went out into the wilderness. Like the wilderness in the Bible, um, like in, it's, it's generally not a place you want to go. Like it's, it's kind of a scary place. It's desolate. You get Jesus in the temptation and wandering the desert. Like uh, it, it is not a fun, fun time place that people want to go to. So he was intentional about going to where like lost, hurting, unchurched people were. And then like this, he... He wore clothes that people in the wilderness would have worn. He ate the food that people in the wilderness would have eaten. Um, he's a great young life leader. I would love to have him on my, my young life team. See how I did the uh, committee chair? I snuck that little young life. That was great. Um, so verse 5, Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. So whatever this dude was saying, what like people were were buying it. They were, they were, the word was, was spreading. So he's out there in the wilderness, um, and people start coming and coming and coming, and then more people and more people. Now people from the cities are actually leaving where they are, and they're coming to this guy. I read somewhere that it was, some people walk like 20 miles, and we're talking like mountains. Like, they're not stopping by this on accident. They are intentionally traveling to the wilderness for this message. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near, uh, which is was pretty cool. Again, it just seems like such a backwards way to start a, like, you want to reach out to Parkersburg, you're not going to start in Lubeck, but this is what he did. And people from Parkersburg are now going to Lubeck to hear John the Baptist and to get baptized by him and for this message. All right, so weird fact number two. Um, I had never thought about this before. These Jewish people were coming to be baptized. That's really weird. Like, Jewish people, this was not a part of their, like, their normal like religion. This wasn't something that Jewish people did. They didn't, like baptism wasn't a, wasn't really a thing for them. Um, 
who were baptized in the Jewish time is when like a pagan or a Gentile or somebody who is not a Jew wanted to become a Jew. There was going to be some circumcision and there was going to be some, some baptism. So they would take like these pagan people and they would like do this like dunking ceremony, like put them in the water and take them out as like a, a sign of their, their sins being washed away and their confession. Like that was a, a big part of like people from the outside coming in. But it was scandalous to think for a Jewish person to need this because they're, they're just good with God because of who they were. Like, they've got these descendants. They, they are already part of the family. They're part of the clan. So for, basically he was inferring that you're not okay. Like, everybody needs this message. Everybody needs to be cleansed. Um, we all need to repent. This is, isn't just for outside people. This is for all of us. We, we all need this heart change. And for whatever reason, people, people got it and they recognized this. And they went out to the, the wilderness and they were baptized by him. Um, just a, a quick thing here. Uh, this isn't like the Christian baptism in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is uh, something different. So thankfully, I don't have to get into all the arguments about it. Um, but uh, just so you know, this, this is a different type of baptism. It's just kind of like a, a sign of cleansing of sins. This wasn't like what Jesus would institute later on in his ministry. Um, all right. So, and they're confessing their sins and they're, they're being baptized. That's where we're at. All right. We're going to take a big kind of shift here. Um, now it's, it's changing from people and, uh, John is about to kind of go off on the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Uh, so buckle up. Here we go. Um, uh, first, a Pharisee, uh, would have been like the religious elite at the time. Um, they were kind of the moral majority, um, they believed in strict adherence to the law and that that's what made you right with God. In fact, they believed that so much that they added rules just so that you didn't accidentally like back into breaking one of the main rules. Uh, so they were, um, they were, they were kind of in charge. They were an important group at the time. Uh, like the, they were both political and kind of the religious leaders at the time. They, they were a big deal. And also the Sadducees were kind of a big deal too. Um, there were much less of them, um, they were also a Jewish group. They had some different kind of beliefs. They would be almost like the liberals of their time. Uh, they didn't think that, uh, like any, like things like the resurrection or any, any kind of like mystical is not the right word. What word am I looking for? Like any supernatural is what I was looking for. And any kind of like supernatural thing in the Bible. They, they weren't about that. So they, they didn't believe that. Um, so here's these two groups and now they have come out to check out what's going on. Let's read about them. Verse seven. But when he saw Many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for, coming to his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warns you to flee from the wrath to come? Interesting. They weren't coming for baptism, right? They were coming to his baptism. They were coming to check out what was going on. That so many people are, are out there that they basically want to say like, is this guy okay? Should we put our stamp of, a, of approval on him? Maybe the Pharisees are like, ooh, another ritual. Can we, can we be a part of this? But they were not coming out of like repentance or confession of sin. They were coming as like, Maybe there's something else I can make myself look good by doing, um, or do I need to to judge and like put my stamp of approval? There was no like heart change, nothing like that. They were they were just coming for whatever reason. Um, and he calls them out here. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Like boom, roasted right. Like this is a not kind thing to say to someone. Um, I was trying to think of like like if I were to say. Like to make fun of Jim for uh, coming to something not wearing a shirt. Like that's kind of funny just as it is because it sounds funny. Uh, it's Pastor Jim not wearing a shirt. But if you were at 
a small group on Wednesday, you would in context know that like, oh, okay, like we've got a little kind of insider thing to why, to why that's funny. If this is a great plug, if you're not coming Wednesday nights, that's what you're missing. Yeah, you start coming. So brood of vipers. Jokes make more sense in context is what I'm trying to say. There. Uh, so brood of vipers. Uh, a brood, I had to look this up. Does anybody know? Any farmers or whatever? Yeah. What is it? Oh, it's, it's like kids. It's like kids of an animal, uh, particularly animals that lay eggs. So like snakes, birds, bees, they have, they have broods. It's, it's, it's children. Like, and we say that for like people that have tons of kids, like, oh, look, there's the, there's the romine brood or whatever. People say that. I don't know. I just did. Sure, they do. Just did right now. Um, and vipers, uh, a viper, a desert viper in the time was a snake that looked like a stick. So it looked like it was just kind of nothing. It looked really innocent, but actually its poison was super dangerous and super deadly. So essentially what he's saying is here, hey, you, Kids of snakes that look really, really innocent and harmless, but are actually super deadly. Like that, see in context, uh, like, great, boom, brood of vipers sounds bad. But when it's like that, it's like, oh, wow, John, easy, okay. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee uh, from the wrath to come? Oh, okay, so here's what he's going to do. He's going to insult them. Uh, he's going to give them a command. He's going to um, anticipate their kind of response to the insult and address it. And then he's also going to give them a warning. So that's kind of this like 7 through 12, what we're doing here. So we've got the insult now. Um, here's the uh, the command. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. These guys were all about bearing fruit in keeping with the law. They were trying to bear fruit in keeping with doing what was right, working really, really hard, earning their way to God by by their actions. Here's what John says. Bear fruit in keeping with what? Repentance. As if this, this is for us too. If we want to bear fruit, it's it's not about a strict adherence to the law. Because guess what? We've already failed. We are going to continue to fail. It's got to be, we have to bear fruit. We're going to we're going to be successful in this life and our ministry and whatever um, in terms of our ability to accept and turn back to, to God. It's about knowing him and allowing him to, to cleanse us and um, confessing our sins and, and all that. It's not about like our fix myself up. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Huge, huge point there. All right. So here's their, um, their little counter to what he's going to say. And don't presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children of Abraham. So he kind of knew that what their argument was going to be. Their, their father is Abraham. We are, we are good Jewish people. We've, we've got this long lineage. We can trace back to, to wherever. Uh, we're, we're good because of our family. John says, you are not good because of your family. Um, our, our DNA is not what, what makes us right with God. Um, it's, it's our re- repentance and his goodness. Um, so interesting. Kind of thing here. Um, God is able from these stones to raise up children of Abraham. So basically saying, hey, look, look at these rocks here. Like if it was really about that, God can make these rocks his kids. Like he's able to do that. Uh, but also another cool thing I learned um, in literature at the time, a lot of times they would refer to Gentiles as stones, like people that weren't part of God's family. They would they like they would just call them stones. So there's there might be some cool wordplay going on here. It's like from these people that aren't in the family, he can make them part of the family. So you think of like the triumphal entry uh, when they were worshiping Jesus and they're like, hey, hey, you can't do that. And Jesus says, uh, look, if they didn't do it, even the stones would worship. So maybe I don't know. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's not. But I, it could be cool. I don't know. Um, so basically, God can make anybody part of part of His family. It's not about your ancestry. It's not about your DNA. Um, that is not what will make you right with God. Um, 
Verse 10. Even now, so we're getting into the warning here. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. And he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with an unquenchable fire. So, um... Again, in harsh language, speaking to the Pharisees and Sadducees, um, he gives them kind of these warnings that like, you think of the, the axes at the tree. Um, then he starts talking about Jesus. He's like, hey, I baptize with water, but there's someone coming who's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to untie. Here, here's John, like tons and tons of people are like lifting John up as some, something really important. And John's like, I can't even tie the guy's shoes. It's, it's going to be so much better, so much greater than me. Um, and again, this kind of scary warning. Um, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So there, there might be some imagery here to, to Pentecost when um, you got the tongues of fire around people when, when the Holy Spirit was given. Uh, but there's definitely, definitely some, some kind of scary judgment language here when it talks about fire. Um, that uh, his winnowing fork is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor, gather his wheat to the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenching fire. This this idea of like there's there's wheat and the the good stuff from the wheat is going to be put safely in the barn and the rest stuff is going to be thrown into this unquenchable fire, this fire that, that never ends. Um, I don't think Matthew is really giving us a good picture of what heaven and hell are going to be like, but I think he's talking about this like separation and this judgment that is to come. Um, and man, we can look at this, and again, he's addressing the Pharisees and as kind of a scary truth in reality. I think we can also look at this as rest and, and peace and hope that uh, that when he gathers us up, uh, that we're going to be safe safe in his hands and that there there is rest and peace in, in the barn, which is, is pretty cool. So here we go. This is this is Advent, guys. We are looking forward to the, the king, which is about to come. And everything is about to change. Um, and everything has changed. We don't have to get stuck in our in our addictions and our idols and all the crap and garbage that we just live in because he, he's come. The king is here. We're supposed to make our paths straight for him, which doesn't mean like, work so hard, change my life. It's about turning to him, confessing, and allowing his bigness and goodness to just wash over us and, and change us out of his goodness and love, not of our DNA, not, not of our work. So stop running away from God. Run to him instead. He loves you so much, and he wants to have you in his life, to adopt you as, as his sons and daughters. Man, he's good. Man, he loves you. Um, that's what I meant. I'll pray. Lord, you're good. Um, thank you for this, this word that we have from John, that uh, we should repent. We should change because you're here and you're real and you're coming. Uh, but God, help us to rest and to know that it's about it's about you and your love for us. You're coming here to us and not about us rising up to you. Uh, so thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for your love. Thank you for how much you have done to make a way for us to be part of your family. So God, this this Advent season, help us to prepare. Help us to figure out what it means to really get ready uh, for you as our as our king. Uh, so thanks for your love. Thanks for uh, the freedom and opportunity that we have to be here to worship you as a family this morning. We love you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.